0: Support for Market Foolery comes from TurboTax Live. New from TurboTax, now you can get a personal review of your tax return with a CPA or EA right on your screen. Talk live with a tax expert as often as you need for tax advice to help you file with confidence. Go to TurboTaxLive.com/Fool. It's Monday, February 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio. It's nice to be back in the studio. We had a good time in San Francisco, but it's nice to be back in the studio with Taylor Muckerman from Stock Advisor Canada and Jason Moser from Million Dollar Portfolio. Good to see you, gents. Happy good to have you two back.
1: It triples so fast. I mean, like, there were, every once in a while, people say, like, going from the East Coast to the West Coast and back in jet lag. And when I didn't even have time for jet lag to come into <laughs> play here, man.
0: Um, it was fun. Uh, on Thursday, to tape sort of almost like the commando style market foolery with <laughs> Michael Douglas. Uh, and, and shout out once again to our producer, Dan Boyd, who just like has the equipment and just was like, yeah, meet me here. But it is a little weird to be sitting in like basically an offshoot of a hotel lobby in these really cushy chairs, you know, holding the mics. But uh, hey. So, yeah, nice to be back in the studio. We've got some earnings news. Um, We've got a bunch of different stories with the Walt Disney Company, and we'll get to all of those. Let's start with uh, the restaurant industry. Restaurant Brands International, with one of my favorite tickers, QSR. Uh, restaurant Brands, up more than 7% this morning. This is the parent company of Burger King and Popeyes and Tim Hortons. Help me out here, Jason, because their their fourth quarter revenue was not particularly great, and their same-store sales were barely positive. Well. That is true.
1: Am I I'm focusing not going on to ne- argue this? Am I focusing on the negative too much? Maybe. I mean, I oh, listen. I think we're in a market where I mean, this is a very rapidly rising tide, and I think that if you are in the quick service restaurant. Um, Part of the industry as opposed to like, you know, fast casual. I think quick service restaurants are, are, I think we're seeing why these are good investments in some cases. And QSR, with the acquisition of Popeyes last year, I mean, this is a restaurant company being very much built in the vein of Yum brands, right? I mean, now you've got a company with three distinct brands and Popeyes and Tim Hortons and Burger King. The Popeyes acquisition has been integrated. Um I mean, their concerns there maybe traffic is a little bit weak. Um Tim Hortons, I don't know the traffic there is is any more encouraging. Growth came from new stores and I think generally speaking that is part of what has the market excited is knowing that there are Source still to be opened here. So, regardless of traffic or weak comp numbers, you can always look at that lever as as a source of growth. So, I think your concern is merited, but I think the market is just choosing to look at this as a glass half full. I I will, having focused on the
0: negative so far, um, (laughs) I I will give them credit for um, the Popeyes acquisition, which seemed like a really smart acquisition at the time. And the only question, and really this is probably the main question, any time. Any company in any industry acquires another, and that is the sort of how do they bring it together? Because sometimes you've got different corporate cultures. What is the strategy there? And it looks like, at least in the short term, RBI has done a good job of bringing Popeyes under that umbrella.
1: I think you're right. I think that they saw Popeyes as an opportunity to get into. Um, more of a, a chicken specific market, and I think that's important, really, because chicken I think translates very well internationally. I mean, you can find it all over all over the globe, and it works pretty well. Um, and we're seeing a lot of success with companies like KFC, uh, Chick fil A, and a lot of people out there would love to see Chick fil A go public. When you look at those numbers and think they don't even have to include Sunday store sales, and they're still lapping a lot of their competition, um, I mean, there is uh, it, there is a lot of reason to pursue that. And, and even McDonald's is is catering its Menu towards more chicken oriented items here going into the new year. I think I think the biggest concern for me with QSR, and and I'm I certainly not saying that this is a bad investment by any means, but I think the concern at least that I have with it that I have to kind of come to terms with is I'm not sure that the brands in this company's portfolio translate quite as well globally. I mean, you have Burger King, and that's kind of the Pepsi to McDonald's Coke, but certainly McDonald's has a better known brand globally. Tim Hortons, very well known north of the border oh, for
2: sure. Yeah, that's their Starbucks. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm.
1: probably going to have a little bit more of a difficult time, I think, of building any kind of a real presence here. Mm-hmm. And and Popeyes, yeah, to a degree maybe, but I mean, I don't know that that carries nearly the brand power that KFC does, for example. So I mean, it is a well run business. I think they're doing the right thing in consolidating and consolidating and and finding a number of different ways to win. Um, but I'm still not convinced of that portfolio's long-term uh, staying power. The product at Popeyes, though, sure is good. Hey,
2: I mean, it's, it is it's a hybrid it's so good. Bojangles KFC. It is, so it, is, good. <laughs> it is
1: nothing to sneer at. I mean, you're getting spicy chicken. Yeah. You're getting bisque. I mean, you just can't. You can't go wrong. Louisiana Fest! Shares of iRobot
0: Corporation are up about 5% this morning. Um, and With that rise, that means shares of iRobot are only down 31% in the last three days. This happened when we were uh, out in San Francisco last week, so it uh, sort of fell off my radar. What what happened here?
2: Yeah, so they delivered a very, a pretty strong quarter. I mean, revenue was up as much as you would expect a growth stock like this to be up. Um, they just gave a little uh, lesser guidance than folks were expecting. Revenue still expected to grow. Uh, per, Pretty strong, but uh, they're ramping up spending on the R&D and marketing side, uh, acknowledging that competition is definitely creeping in to their product lineup. And uh, not only did they have a worse quarter than the previous year in China, but some Chinese products are also making their way into the United States to compete directly with what iRobot has to offer. So uh, they recognize that, and while they do acknowledge revenue should be up next year, um, they're spending accordingly. To try and combat this increased competition, and hopefully drive some new product lineups, um, make the existing products better, more more affordable, possibly. So um, definitely interesting to watch as a first mover now now being encroached upon. And uh, but they have a very strong balance sheet, so they're working from a position of strength there and founder led. So you you imagine that uh, there's still some alignment there with shareholders in terms of where the the founder is trying to take this business. Is this a stock that is on sale? Because over the last three years, it's almost doubled
0: over the last three years, and it's soundly beaten the market, Mm -hmm. and down thirty percent. When you look at that performance over the last few years, it's hard not to. At least that's my default thinking. That's my default question on that. Like, well, is it? Did it just get a little too high, and now it's now it's
1: cheaper than it should be? Maybe they need a robot for. Those that fly a little too close to the sun, sort of getting in that predicament. (laughs) Maybe that is the case here. Maybe, maybe it was something that was that was a little bit um, overvalued, so to speak. I mean, I'm a bit torn. I mean, I I feel like this is a pretty good company, and, and obviously investors have done very well with it up until this point. Um, I the my concern is you know we talk a lot about these device companies um, and how hardware is generally speaking a race to the bottom. I mean, unless you're something like Intuitive Surgical, for example, that's building some hardware that that really is, is going to be difficult to compete with. I mean, and it's obviously because partly the software that's going into it as well. But I mean, it, i iRobot to me, I mean, doesn't seem like it's producing a product that is terribly. Protected. I mean, I feel like another company could go in there and try to to develop something like that. And I know I've seen a commercial on TV, some Roomba uh, competitor, like i Shark or something like that. Yeah. yeah, they said that that's definitely it's reached our shores and it's creeping. And yeah. that is a very. I mean, that is that is a that seems like just a total knockoff of of the, of the Roomba. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I think the Roomba is clever. Yeah, I, I don't think it's necessary. Um, and, and it's not sufficient and, and I say that having one in our home I mean it's it's nice to have but it's not you got to have something else. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I feel like maybe the maybe the pool cleaner really works works magic, and I would imagine that's where they could, uh, you know, start start building more technology. I I just feel like maybe this is a company that in the near term at least is going to have to invest a lot more in coming mm-hmm. up with something compelling. And if that's the case, that's great. But it's going to play out on their margin line, and yeah. their margins are already low and compressing. So I think the concerns are at least warranted.
2: And we were at CS. I was out there with David Kretzman this year just a uh, few weeks ago, and. We were trying to speak with iRobot, because we were launching our small-cap service in Canada. wanted to talk to some small-cap companies that The Fool has um, a history with, and they only had meeting rooms uh, to meet with customers and clients. They weren't on the showroom floor at all. But you would have thought they were, just by walking around and seeing so many uh, competitors that look almost identical—like you almost trip over something that you think is a Roomba, if, come to find out, it's a, it's a Chinese or South Korean imitation.
1: Zumba. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Well, Shark Ninja, isn't that Shark a,
1: Ninja? Is that or is I, that? I
0: think it's, I Shark I know, maybe the company. That, I know that's one of the competitors, yeah. which is frankly an amazing name.
1: Yeah, and whenever <laughs> I hear Ninja, I immediately go to Fruit Ninja, which yeah. is that game on your phone that's just like slicing the fruit, and the sound is just—it's almost addictive. You just you get hungry for fruit. <laughs> uh, for we go on, I want to say thanks again to TurboTax
0: Live, which is new from TurboTax. Now you can get a personal review of your tax return with a CPA or EA right on your screen. You can quickly connect to a tax expert via one-way video as often as you need for answers and advice on your taxes. Because, yeah, folks, it's that time of the year again. It's (laughs) tax time. You can even have an expert review your return before you file and make any necessary changes and it's all backed with a 100% accuracy guarantee, which is nice, because when the IRS knocks on your front door, they're not doing it with a box of candy and some flowers. <laughs> so you don't want that. To, you want the 100% accuracy. You can file with complete confidence. Connect with a TurboTax Live expert today at TurboTaxLive.com. Fool, uh, Before we get into the multiple stories with the Walt Disney Company, I um, want to say thanks again to uh, everyone in San Francisco, uh, either at the Motley Fool One event or Wednesday night when we got together uh, at the Golden Gate Tab Room. It was so great to, it, it, it's always great to, to meet with members and meet with listeners. Um, and thank you to Jay Melton, who is both a listener and a member of Motley Fool One. Um, he gave me, uh, Jay lives in uh, Japan, and gave me some snacks. Um, which uh, I should have opened in front of him he gave them to me they were wrapped and he said and I said, what are these and he said these are and he may have said the name and I just don't remember but he said they're they're nuts wrapped in seaweed and they're they're very tasty and he said oh and they also go well with bourbon which is which is well, which is always great a cigar
1: and alternative I'm surprised that bag even made it home to be
0: so so I didn't open it until I got back here and then I opened it and I don't know why I thought oh, This packaged food from Japan will obviously have some English on the packaging when (laughs) I open it. I don't know why I thought that, because it didn't have any English on the outside wrapping. And so, I open it up and it's a bunch of different flavors based on the fact that these individually wrapped snacks have different colors. I have no idea what the different flavors are. Um, I think I'm going to have to try them all just because I'm sure one of them is probably really spicy. (laughs) And we just have to roll the dice and see which one. As long as you're not allergic to any particular kind of nut. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have the night allergy, so that's uh, so that's good. Um, and also, uh, before we move on, I want to give a shout out to uh, listener Dale Tang who hey, is visiting Daniel. us in the house. He's thanks in the house on the other side of the glass with our man Dan Boyd. He is visiting from LA, uh, so thanks so much for coming by. I really appreciate it, Dale. Walt Disney Company making a bunch of headlines this morning, and you can just choose choose your own adventure, guys. <laughs> Here are the headlines: They're raising ticket prices at the theme parks they've got a content licensing deal with alibaba mm-hmm. and comcast has decided since the the recent deal that disney made for those fox assets hasn't closed comcast has decided we might take another run at this because we came in with a higher bid which by the way if i'm a fox investor i'm not necessarily thrilled about the fact that if this is true that they went with the lower bid from disney but Jason, you get first crack. What's, of those three, what is the most interesting to you?
1: Oh, well, I'm going to just see if I can't rip all these songs the off here in to... 10 seconds, all okay. right? Yeah, ticket prices? Yeah, you're you're going to pay them. Uh, <laughs> the licensing deal with Alibaba? Total no brainer. Yeah. And Comcast? No. No. Not going to happen. Nothing going to
0: happen that Comcast takes another run at it, or even if they do, even if they do, it just doesn't matter. Your advice to Comcast is yeah. save your time and money. Don't just just let it go.
1: Yeah, I know. I feel like maybe I, I don't know the I don't know where this headline came from, but maybe a little, somebody a little place we,
0: a little place we like to call the Wall Street <laughs> Journal. Somebody,
1: well, no no, 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 But I mean, I don't know where they got it. Like maybe this is just Comcast wanting to seem relevant. Someone like not totally asleep yeah. at the wheel. Like, oh, we meant to get in there and make an offer, but oh, just a little bit too late. Oh well. Um, now, I mean, I think in regard to the prices, I mean, I feel like if I were a professor of economics, I would always be pointing to Disney for something. I mean, there's just always a case study there. I think in the case of the parks, I mean, this is just a great lesson in their pricing power and operating leverage because the parks. I mean, this is a big part of the business, obviously, and that's not going to change. And I think another thing that they do, as they grow and the park segment becomes a bigger part of it, and they have more offerings as they raise ticket prices, and it's not like they're raising ticket prices across the board. I think in some cases, some stayed the same. It becomes very difficult as a consumer to go in there and like nitpick and be a little bit more critical, particularly as they hold such power in the possession of those parks. And so I think as long as they're keeping them fresh and continuing to add to the experience, I mean, they're going to continue to bring in traffic, and they're not making these price—they're not increasing prices willy-nilly. I mean, they're doing this based on the data that they have and the—you know—the supply and demand. I mean, as long as the demand is there, they're going to be able to command some pricing there, particularly in, in times uh, uh, where where the consumers are feeling pretty good about things. And then the operating leverage—I mean, all they got to do is just bring the people in the parks. I mean, you just keep spending more and more and more, and they become more and more profitable. So, I mean, they're going to do it.
2: Are you really going to tell your kid they're not? Worth
1: four extra dollars a day
2: when you're already spending one fifteen on them. Well, I don't think
1: so. (laughs) So
0: you mentioned the pricing power, and I remember the the last time I've only been to Walt Disney World a couple of times, and the last time was in 2010. And I remember talking with a cab driver about Disney's response to the Great Recession, and because it's not just the Walt Disney company you know it's not just that park in and of itself obviously there are all of the ancillary businesses that depend on that park sure. bringing in a lot of people yeah. and here example a cab driver who was saying that they did a great job in 08 and 09 and it was really only in 2010 that they were starting to um, cut back on the deals but he said they did a great job of not necessarily slashing prices willy-nilly but Putting together really attractive packages so that they could keep um, more people coming in, and um, and I think that uh, to your point, Jason, now they're looking at the opposite side of that and saying, "Hey, we're not going to raise prices across the board, but in areas where we feel like yeah, we can pull this lever, they're going to do it."
1: And well, we discussed this too. I mean, they did. I agree. I think they did a great job uh, through that difficult period in figuring out ways to keep customers coming in. Now, traffic wasn't as high. Mm-hmm. It just clearly wasn't. We saw that play out on, on the operating income line. And it's also worth remembering, too, that they're, we're going to run into another tough stretch, where they're not going to be able to just command pricing, and they're going to have to go back to figuring out ways to get consumers in there. So, it is a bit cyclical, but that all kind of goes back to the beauty of this business. And they make their money in a number of different ways, including license deals like they just forged with Alibaba, right?
2: Yeah, the parks are becoming more efficient, they're becoming more technological advanced, so you imagine they become uh, cheaper to run. So then, the prices, uh, if they do hit a recession, then uh, it might not hurt as badly.
1: Yeah, that's a good point there. I mean, if you think about just sort of the way technology is going, I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to have more automation as time goes on. Amazon's not the only one that's going to have robots running stuff, right? I yeah, mean, right. They're, they're getting their warehouses outfitted, I think, pretty nicely. But that that technology is going to, you know, cross cross market segments and and uh, whether it's hospitality or restaurants or whatever, I mean, more automation is coming into mm-hmm. play, which is good and bad. I mean, there are trade offs there. Um, I mean, in regard to the content deal with Alibaba, I mean, that is just a no brainer. I mean, you have that content, you've got a large Country that wants that content, more eyeballs than a, else. a phenomenal distribution platform in Alibaba. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you have to take advantage of that, uh, and I think it's Yoku, the the streaming platform with Alibaba, that actually will get that out to their to their consumers. But yeah,
2: interesting uh, to see that right after Disney pulled their deal yeah. with Netflix in mm-hmm. twenty twenty to now, not not a same deal, but you know still trading content with them for uh,
1: for a fee. Well, yeah, and they had like Disney had their own. Platform at some point there that they were trying to manage. There was some question as to why they really shut that platform down. I think perhaps part of that was due to. Regulations mm-hmm. within the country. But I mean, there are going to be some markets where it's a bit more difficult to have full control. And so, where you can't have that full control, you you, you forge uh, agreements with, with partners. And, and in this case, Alibaba makes, uh, makes for a good the Best one. of the bunch over there, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Taylor Muckerman, Jason Moser, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks. Cheers. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Full may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Forty. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.